1: From KQED.
0: Hey, everybody. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer.
1: And I'm Marisa Lagos, and today on The Breakdown, Latino voters are a growing part of the California electorate, and they could make the difference in critical races in competitive congressional midterm elections.
0: And in fact, a new poll of 1,200 Latino voters in California has mixed signals for Democrats. Support for Governor Newsom and Democrats, generally pretty good, but also a sense that maybe the party isn't listening to their concerns. We'll talk with Christian Arana of the Latino Community Foundation about their poll, and. What it could mean for the midterm elections, but first, Marisa, you know the the issue that has. Uh Almost not having the clips, you know, gas prices and inflation, but public safety has really bubbled up uh, to the top in ways it hasn't been in voter concern for a long time. And we're seeing that uh, play out in the uh, attorney general race. And I know you've been digging into some of the more local races, some DA races in Contra Costa County. We have a recall of our DA here uh, on June seventh. And you found some really interesting numbers uh, looking into the money uh, for uh, for the DA race in Contra Costa County. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah. And I, I, we should flag for our statewide audience that like this kind of thing seems to be playing out across the state in various DA races. Right. Um, so Contra Costa, you know, relatively small county compared to maybe something like L.A. Um, but they have attracted uh, we're approaching a million dollars in outside spending, uh, a quarter of a million of it by law enforcement um, on behalf of the woman challenging the sitting district attorney, that DA's name is Diana Becton. Uh, She was appointed by the Board of Supervisors there kind of as a way to make change, uh, as we've seen similarly to of Boudin here in San Francisco, George Gascon in LA, talking about more rehabilitation. Um, And she did prosecute a police officer last year successfully, uh, secured one of the longest sentences we've ever seen foreign officer involved in an on-duty shooting um, he fatally shot a man in 2018 and so police are really lining up behind her challenger mary knox a deputy da out there on the other side of the coin we have george Soros's big pack coming in uh with uh, some 408 thousand dollars to prop up becton and go after knox that's going to be in the form of digital ads so watch your uh, social media feeds and we should say um, knox is yeah. not
0: just like your sort of typical uh, you know, law and order uh, deputy uh, uh, DA, I mean, she, she has been critical of the, you know, the conviction and the, the actual prosecution of some uh, of, of that uh, of that cop that you talked about.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I talked to her this week, she kind of waffled on that a little. She had told the Mercury News she wouldn't have charged the case. She told me, well, I don't really know all the facts. I wasn't assigned to it. But she certainly has been critical of Becton more broadly of her relationship with police. She says, you know, Becton should be the one on the defensive. It's a good thing that I'm getting law enforcement support. Of course, on the other side, you'll hear folks say, well, why should we trust that she would be willing to prosecute a police officer who did something wrong? So to me, what's interesting is that this isn't just I mean, the blind share of the money against Beckton, some 210000 is from the union representing sheriff's deputies. You know, one of their members was the uh, officer prosecuted. But we've also seen the Oakland Police Officers Union put in money, PORAC, the statewide group. So clearly this is something that officers are watching when you have a conviction.
0: At the same time, at the state level, we saw the CCPOA, the Correctional Peace Officers Association give a quarter of a million dollars to Rob Bonta, who is not a favorite of, uh, you know, he is also progressive, uh, not a favorite of law enforcement. So, you know, I know they they gave, I think, a similar, if not identical amount to the Republican Party. Yeah, we often (laughs) see that,
1: right, is that at the state level, you see groups hedging their bets, especially because it is such a Democrat-friendly state. I mean, we're going to be digging into that more, Scott. But yeah, for years, law enforcement's been a big player on both sides of the aisle. And we should say, I mean, Knox is a Democrat. So this is not just about Democrats versus Republicans anymore. A lot of it does seem to do with individual policies around prosecuting, criminal enhancements, criminal justice reform, and of course whether, you know, what a person thinks about prosecuting police officers when they act during the line of duty.
0: And here in San Francisco, I mentioned Chesa Boudin, another progressive prosecutor facing a recall. Uh, there was a rally yesterday, an anti-hate rally with leaders from the black and Asian communities who stood up in front of City Hall with Boudin. And there's an interesting kind of split going on. We had today the Tao Daily, the Asian, one of the Chinese language papers, uh, releasing its endorsement. They're opposing the recall. Uh, the Chronicle is opposing the recall, as is The Examiner the BAR, which is one of the the Bay Area Reporter gay newspaper. Uh, And yet the polls show that, you know, voters seem to be in a different place from all these uh, sort of establishment uh, endorsements.
1: Yeah. And I think that that speaks to the sort of other aspect of this, Scott, which is that crime is emotional. And I think that people are feeling under the gun right now, so to speak, Bad pun, I guess. But, you know, I think that there has been some weird patterns around crime during the pandemic, and there's just a sense that people don't feel safe. And so, what you see is a real split between, I think, what I would say is a sort of more academic argument by these papers that maybe this is not a, a situation that rises to the level of a recall in the case of Chase um, and the sort of you know, visceral emotional state in the city um, among many voters. So I, I think you're right that that the polls are not looking good for Boudin, but we got to wait till election yep, day. Yep.
0: That's why we have elections. It's a kind of a head versus heart. We'll see who wins out. All right, we're going to go to a break. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you to check out KQED's voter guide to get all your info uh, that you'll need for the California primary. It's June 7th, It's my birthday, by the way, just saying. Uh, And that is at kqed.org slash voter guide. All right. When we come back, we'll be joined by Christian Arana. He's vice president for policy with the Latino Community Foundation. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio.
2: Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED podcast too, at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
0: Welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer, here with Marisa Lagos. And our guest today is Christian Arana. He is vice president for policy with the Latino Community Foundation here in the Bay Area. They recently conducted a poll of 1,200 Latino voters in California, Christian Arana, welcome to The Breakdown. Thank you, Scott Marisa. So, let me begin uh, with uh, this question, very, mm-hmm. very simple one. Tell us about the, the Community Foundation, the Latino Community Foundation. Like, what is its mission? What does it do? And How long has it been around? Why are we talking to you, Chris? (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the question. Um,
2: So the Latino Latino Community Foundation is a philanthropic institution. Uh, We're based here in San Francisco. We've been here since uh, the late 1980s. And so our primary mission is to unleash the civic and economic power of Latinos in the state. There are 15 million plus Latinos in the state of California. There's one philanthropic institution dedicated to their advancement in the state. So part of how we do that is, uh, of course, as a foundation, we invest in Latino-led nonprofits all across the state. We've done that here in the Bay Area. We've done a stronger push in the Central Valley, of course, down in Southern California. But we don't just invest. We want to make sure that our Latino-led nonprofits are built to last. So we're very deeply invested in their capacity, that they're able to do their work in the years ahead. And then finally, where I come in as Vice President of Policy is we have to advocate for systems change, policy change, to make sure that our community gets their fair share.
1: And so do you guys see yourself as a political group? And we we want to delve next into this poll that has some, as we said, warning signs for Democrats. Um, But is there a political mission at all?
2: No. So what we're focused on is democracy. Um, At the end of the day, when you look at the voter turnout data, uh, Latinos consistently underperform. So a a large part of why we do these investments and talk about politics is because, you know, we're doing our part to strengthen our democracy. We want to make sure that every Latino is registered to vote, that they're informed, that they check out the KQED ballot (laughs) uh, voter guides. Right. (laughs) Because people should be informed. Right. Our political parties and our candidates should do their part as well. And I think for too often, they ignore Latinos up and down the state and across the country. And if we're doing our part uh, to make sure that Latinos participate in our democracy, why
0: aren't they? Well, and tell what do you mean by ignore? Uh, And is, is it different to reach out to Latino voters than other voting groups? Obviously, language could be an issue and a barrier.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, language is one of the top reasons why it's it's a little bit more difficult uh, and much more costlier to reach out to Latino voters. Uh, but I but I feel like you i have had these conversations before. We're not a monolith. Uh, we are many, many different types of people. Uh, even within the state of California, a San Francisco Latino is very different from an L.A. Latino. Uh they just, like
0: the Dodgers down there And I'm one thing. of
2: them. <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, I may not get invited back to the show. But <laughs> um, but it just goes to show that, yes, you know, not all of us speak Spanish. Not all of us have access to Internet. Uh, when you look at all these ads that are put on social media, we may not be getting them because we don't have access to broadband. And so it's very basic things like that that make it extremely difficult to reach out to Latino voters. But what we're trying to do is say – Enough. Um, If we're gonna, if we're really gonna live in a democracy, our Latino community needs to show up at
0: the ballot box. Well, tell us about the poll. Twelve hundred Latino voters. That's a pretty big sample size. It's the largest to date so far. Yeah. And so, uh, what were some of the top lines that jumped
2: out to you? So, the 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 first thing to point out is the top issues for Latinos across the state. So, number one is the cost of living and inflation. Number two, jobs in the economy, and then number three, housing affordability. Notice how it it was not immigration. And I think too often in American politics, when people think of Latino voter outreach, that we just want to talk about immigration, our issues are just like everyone else's issues.
0: And immigration wasn't even in the top four or five. was it? <laughs> yeah. In terms hey. of concerns.
2: Well, and, and that just goes to show that uh, not all of us um, care about this, even though this is a story that many of us share. Um you know, when we look at the economy right now, a lot of us are concerned about how we're going to pay for gas, pay for food, uh, pay for the cost of housing. Uh, and it just goes to show that not all of us um, are recently arrived. We, a lot of us have deep roots in this country.
0: <laughs> well, is it fair to say also, and I, I, I'm getting, I'm digressing, but it's interesting that, that Latinos have very different views about I- immigration, both legal and, you know, un- people coming here without documents.
2: Yeah, and and I think a good example of that is, I mean, just looking at California, um, it's been nearly 30 years since Proposition 187. Uh, Former Governor Pete Wilson pretty much came for our community. And you look at what what has happened over the last 30 years, uh, voter registration rates among Latinos has grown. Uh, people ran for office. We have Alex Padilla as our United States Senator. They were born out of that movement um, when the governor and the Republican Party of the 1990s uh, attacked us. Um, and so while immigration, yes, is not one of those top issues, it is a very emotional issue. And one that we're gonna be looking at um, when we decide how to vote in this uh, this election.
1: Christian, I'm curious if you think that th- what what messages this has for Republicans in, in California, because I think a lot of what we're seeing out of this is the sort of Democratic impacts. I mean, what is there a lesson here for Republicans as well?
2: Well, I feel like the lesson should have been learned over the course of these past 30 years. <laughs> uh, I mean, Governor Wilson uh, may have gotten away with Prop 87 uh, in 1994, but
0: he got reelected on it.
2: Uh, well, yeah, but ultimately, uh, look what happened, the, the unintended consequences of that. Like, you may use immigration politics in the short term to win. I mean, that's what happened with him. That's what happened with Trump. But ultimately, as history has shown in the state of California, it is a losing strategy. Um, and when you look at the, the bread and butter issues and everything else, like Latinos... Do not like to be attacked <laughs> you know? who does exactly yeah. and 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 I think this is another moment with the twenty twenty two midterms like this is another moment in which Latinos are paying attention to what candidates are saying across all uh, across the political spectrum
0: because it 's just not fair if you're just joining us you 're listening to political breakdown i 'm Scott Schaefer here with Marisa lagos we 're talking with christian Arana he's vice president for policy with the Latino Community <laughs> <laughs> Foundation. So back to that poll, um, it did show, you know, pretty positive, high approval ratings for Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, President Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, down and down the ballot. To, there's some exceptions. We can get into that later. But at the same time, there seemed to be some disconnect because the governor, at least on, on the state budget right now is advocating for something that may not be the kind of relief and help that Latino voters are looking for. Well, yeah. So
2: just last week, um, I mean, the governor released his May revised budget. So in it was eighteen point one billion dollars uh, to help address inflation. That's a great thing. I mean, this poll that that we just released showed that that's the number one issue for Latinos. When you dig into the details, uh, there are a lot of great things in there. So rental assistance is one two point seven billion for rental assistance. Uh, there are Plenty, if not millions, of Latinos who are still waiting on that rental assistance, and that's great. And we want to see that. Uh, what's a little bit more concerning is the uh, the, the the idea around the gas rebate
0: <laughs> uh, card. So the governor uh, wants uh, to still wants to give a four hundred dollar <laughs> check to people that own a vehicle they want to, he wants to do it through the dmv in part because he thinks it's it's easiest yeah it. most and, quick quickest and, way to do
2: it. and i think the price tag on that was about 11 point something billion dollars um i think what's important to note about that and this is why i hope that the governor of the legislature for the next couple of weeks get to um get to some type of finality on that, is that, number one, not everyone has a car. Uh, A lot of Latinos still rely on public transportation to get to and from work, childcare, whatever it is. Uh, And when we think about equity, which is, I know, a very big um, uh, goal of the Newsom administration, this, in fact, may not be equitable. Because when you look at the data, uh, people without cars are twice as likely to have trouble paying for the basic necessities like food, housing, and healthcare
1: right and of course they are proposing or the governor is proposing to make public transit free for a few months but to your point there are also households that don't have two cars or you know there's a lot there i'm i'm curious though like a lot of what i saw in this poll mm-hmm when we talked about issues was very strong concern about economy, inflation, cost of living, and yet very little knowledge of what has already been done to try to help people by Democrats. So not a lot of sort of fluency around what the American Rescue Plan did. Uh, You know, if you talk to the governor, he'll talk about the golden state stimulus checks he sent out. So is this about making a case over for Democrats about what they've already done? And does that even help if people are still struggling?
2: I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, you name one of them—the American Rescue Plan. The poll found that nearly half of Latinos in the state of California have no idea what this is. <laughs> uh, the number goes up even higher for the infrastructure package. Uh, and what's rather interesting is that if Democrats on the national level, or even the governor, whoever, if they're going to be making the case as to why they deserve re-election or to be elected in office outright, they need to make the connections for Latinos across the state that they have delivered. But, I, I mean, back to the original, uh, how we started this conversation, that doesn't happen. And if it does, it happens two weeks before an election right. where they show up in the Mission District. Maybe they'll invite some mariachis. Um, <laughs> that's, that's very stereotypical. I, I look, I, yeah, and look, I, yeah, and I love mariachis, you know, but, but it, it's just, it's, it's we, we can't keep doing
0: this like that. Yep. Um, and, and, and voters can tell when they're being right. sort of pandered to. Exactly. Well, and also,
1: like, if you tell someone, "Look, we got you know, we gave you three hundred bucks a month last year," and somebody's going, "Yeah, but I I can't fill up my gas tank or afford groceries right now." Like, I just gotta wonder if, sort of talking about things that have already done, if people are still suffering, is really a political winner for Democrats.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I can offer a personal example, my mom, um, my mom was a recipient of the Golden State Stimulus. It took her forever. To get her check <laughs> and me as her son I kept uh, checking with her like did you get your check did you get your check um, and she had no idea that it was the Newsom administration uh, and our California
0: government that did that hmm. Who did she think it came from
2: uh, she just thought it was just uh,
0: that the government qu- from heaven. yeah yeah the, <laughs> the government <laughs> quote-unquote the government yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. big G <laughs> Well, you know, one of the other issues the governor did in January, and he's still proposing to expand eligibility for Mm -hmm. Medi-Cal, low-income Californians, up to the age of 50, which will cover pretty much all undocumented folks in California. That's a big deal, too, although it doesn't take effect until 2024, I think.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a big deal. Uh, And this is something that the Latino Community Foundation has been advocating for uh, for many, many years now. just look at the data around COVID-19. Undocumented folks had a really tough time uh, once they contracted this virus and then the after effects of that. Part of the reason why COVID-19 was so explosive in Latino communities because they didn't have health insurance. (laughs) Uh, And so looking ahead as we start to build this quote-unquote new normal, uh, this is exactly what we mean. We need to make sure that we
0: expand healthcare to everybody because we believe it's a fundamental human right. Let me just ask a quick follow-up, if I could, because, you know, there's also a fiscal cliff coming, according to budget analysts. So what happens if, you know, those programs then have to be cut? I mean, that could be really ugly.
2: Well, yeah, and we hope that they're not cut. I mean, at the end of the day, we're already paying for this. Uh, it's actually cheaper just to cover folks anyways. If an undocumented immigrant gets hit by a bus, I mean, God forbid, right outside the street here, like, they're going to have to go to the hospital, and we as a society are going to have to pay for it. So it's it's much smarter policy, and, and we're glad that the governor is doing this because uh, we hope that it doesn't drive costs... In the future
1: so christian i gotta tell you like as somebody who grew up in this state and is latino, like <laughs> i feel like i'm having deja vu every time we do one of these intros where we're exactly. like latino voters it's a growing part of the electorate they could make the difference um so why do you think you know 30 years on from something like prop 187 with you know a lot of powerful Latinos in the state and, and, you know, especially in Los Angeles, I think we've really seen the community flex its muscle. Like, why are we still talking about this? And how, <laughs> like, like, how can we move beyond that? And sort of to, I, I don't know, like, to, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, it feels
1: like deja vu all over again, over and over. Well, no, and, it, and if I could
2: just add um, just some numbers. Um, so there are 8 million eligible Latino voters in the state of California. Just to put things in perspective, that's more Latino voters in this state than the entire population of Arizona. So just Latinos in the state of California, we're talking about like our own state, if not own country, mm-hmm. right? So we are a growing political force, right? And, um, you know, in in the ride over here, I was telling a friend of mine that I'm exhausted, too, talking about this because it seems like people still
0: don't get it. Well, and, you know, I think Republicans might say that the reason we're still talking about it is that Democrats, all these Democrats in power, including Latinos, haven't delivered Or maybe created some problems. Well, yeah. I mean, just to tie
2: back to the previous conversation, they have delivered. I mean, Governor Newsom has delivered time and time again for for Latinos in the state.
0: Uh, The question is, do we know about it? Um, Well, I'm thinking of like homelessness or affordable housing.
2: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, if I could return to the example of my parents, I mean, my parents are essential workers. Uh, They work all the damn time. Uh, And when they step outside their house, they, too, are concerned about, you know, a tent here, a tent there. Uh, Me, as their son, you know, I I talk to them about having compassion and and making smart public policy choices. But at face value, they just say, I just I want to get rid of this. Like, how do we solve this? Uh, The same thing goes for crime. (laughs) The same thing goes for uh, many, many issues that we all care about.
1: So we are in a midterm election year, in case nobody's heard, and (laughs) we have actually, um, in part because of redistricting and in part because of gerrymandering elsewhere, some of the most competitive races in the nation here in California. Y'all didn't ask specifically about that, but I'm wondering when you look at the poll and just what you know from your life experience, Mm -hmm. um, and let's take like the Central Valley race. You have David Valadeo, seen, I think, historically as a more moderate Republican, although his you know tied himself on to trump on some things i um, being challenged by a state legislature democrat rudy salas um in a district that is very purple like what can someone like either of those candidates take from what you guys have looked at in this poll and say this you know this is a winning strategy or this is what we really need to be talking about in this race
2: well i mean it ultimately comes down to a number of things what have you done for me before what are you doing for me now and if I vote for you, what are you going to do for me in the future? And uh, that in that particular case, uh, Congressional District 22, uh, it's about 60 percent Latino, yeah.
0: um,
2: which is incredible. <laughs> uh, there are lots of Latino votes on the line there. In David Valadeo's case, he voted against the Re- American Rescue Plan. Uh, he voted against the infrastructure package. So if he was a no vote uh, for those for those things, well, well. What was his plan?
0: (laughs) But are they voting? Yeah, are they voting? voting? Yeah, that's the big question.
2: Well, and and again, I mean, that's why I return to the point about how where we sit in the spectrum is democracy, right? They'll vote if they're registered. You're never going to have higher Latino voter turnout unless you have higher Latino voter registration rates. It's just pure cold hard numbers. But in your poll, there
0: were registered voters who said they may vote, they may not vote.
2: Well, yeah, and that comes to a mobilization problem. Um, And so if Democrats are going to be running on the American Rescue Plan, the infrastructure package, this big idea that we have delivered, and if no one knows about it, then we have a problem there. (laughs) And so this is why it's incumbent upon uh, all political parties, really, that if you really want our votes, you got to come to the community and have a conversation with us about why.
1: Absolutely. So, what is it that um, you think beyond the economy is going to be most important this year? I mean, abortion. I think this poll was out before that draft opinion leaked. Um, Abortion has been a big, uh, you know, issue nationally. As it it seems percolating up, Um, housing, homelessness are always problems here in California. Like, where do you see the kind of opening for folks to really connect with Latino voters?
2: Well, I mean, of course. Immigration. <laughs> I, I know it's not one of the top issues that showed up in the poll, but it, like I said before, it, it's it's one of those uh, emotional issues that shows Latino voters where you stand. Are you going to stand with uh, us and our families or not? Right now, I know Senator Padilla is trying to reignite the conversation around immigration reform, uh, especially for uh, for Dreamers uh, in this state and in our nation. And if he's able to pull that off, I bet you that's going to mobilize a lot of Latino voters, not just in this state,
0: but across the nation as well. Uh, Marisa alluded a moment ago to redistricting, and we just, of course, like all states, did ours here in California with a nonpartisan commission. Mm -hmm. How did Latinos make out?
2: So, uh, because of redistricting, California now has the most number of Latino majority districts uh, in the state, and um, I think in the nation. Uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm sure that's right. Yeah. So uh, it's it was it was a pretty powerful effort. So the Latino community. How how many? It's more than a dozen. It was 16. Yeah. Yeah, 16. So the Latino Community Foundation like reorganized our our donor networks, our nonprofits, to make sure that they spoke up, to make sure that those lines were drawn fairly. Um, And in the case of the Central Valley, actually, so if Rudy Salas. For example, does win that race, he would be the first Latino to ever represent the Central Valley in the United States that's Congress. Crazy. oh
0: Jim Costa is not Latino.
2: Uh, so technically he's Portuguese. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So is Valdeo. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's another Latinx conversation.
0: Latinx. We talk about that
1: too. other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, uh, our, our producer Guy Marzarati just did a really interesting story about a di- new district around Vallejo here in the Bay Area that was drawn to consolidate black, Latino and Asian voters, but is looking likely to be a shoe in for incumbent John Garamendi, mm-hmm. um, like who's not doesn't even live in that district. He got kind of moved out of his. But I I mean, is there more of a need for sort of a pipeline of younger Latino candidates, especially maybe outside of what I referred to before, which is like the the kind of L.A. machine?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm technically part of that L.A. machine. I live in L.A. now. <laughs> uh, I used to live in Berkeley. I do miss Berkeley. Uh, but yeah, to your question, um, yeah, there's, there is there is a need for a, a stronger pipeline for Latinos, just as there is a need for strong, a stronger pipeline for more Asian candidates, more black candidates. This is California. We are a majority people of color. Um, and too often, uh, even in our state, you look at our leadership, it still remains to be older and
0: whiter. Well, let me ask you, because uh, the Republican Party's done a pretty decent job of recruiting down in Orange County. Michelle Steele, Young Kim, two uh, Korean Americans. They both knocked off Democrats down there. They're going to have competitive races this time around. Uh, and then Mike Garcia, that's right, uh, who who uh, t- took uh, Katie Hill seat, kind of northeastern LA County. How much? Does it matter if you have a name like Garcia, uh, and he is Latino, I assume, not Portuguese. Uh, but, you know, what difference does that make to Latino voters?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's always great to see that type of representation, uh, regardless of political party. Um, but I think ultimately, when people do go out to vote, they're going to want to see what type of policies you're putting out there. Mike Garcia? <laughs> Mike um, Questionable. <laughs> uh, questionable whether or not he's in alignment with uh, the priorities of Latino communities. Um, I always tell folks that it's no surprise that there uh, that a Mike Garcia exists in the Republican Party or a young Kim or a Michelle Steele. Um, when Republicans recruit the, these candidates, they give them the money, the networks, the resources. And for some reason in the Democratic Party that we may not we don't necessarily see that enough.
0: Uh, yes, exactly. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to get a lot more data in just a few weeks That's right. <laughs> uh, when the June seventh primary happens. Christian Arana from the Latino Community Foundation. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Sorry about the Dodgers. I mean, I, I, I they're doing well, but I mean, I'm sorry, sorry <laughs> that you like them so well. That's right. All right, this <laughs> that is go, it for go this. Warriors. <laughs> go Warriors. Exactly. How are the Lakers doing? <laughs> That's it for this edition. A political breakdown. It's a production of KQED Public Radio.
1: Our production, our producer is Guy Marzarati. Our engineer today is Chris Hoff. I'm Marisa Lagos. You can find me on Twitter at MLagos.
0: And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Scott Schaefer. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.